beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. A few weeks ago, I posted about something on Instagram that got a lot of reaction. Time anxiety, my personal time anxiety. And I realized that I have a lot of words to say about this idea of time anxiety. And so I thought I would do a whole episode on it. We are going to talk about the three main thoughts around time anxiety, kind of the three main themes I see that a lot of us have running through our brain all the time about time. We're going to talk about recognizing what time anxiety is and where it comes from, because I think when you're aware of it, and now it's one of these things that you'll see everywhere, but once you're aware of it, you can really reroute those thoughts. And then lastly, we're going to talk about concrete ways to combat it if you listen to this and find that you too suffer from time anxiety. Listen, I don't want you to be spooked by the word anxiety or by the label. 
I talk a lot on this show and online about my own lifelong anxiety, my childhood anxiety, my diagnosed general anxiety disorder. There is, of course, a lot of talk about mental health on the internet in general, but I don't want you to listen to what I'm saying here and like take it on as a whole label. (laughs) I am not a medical professional of any kind. This is just anecdotal and also my own observations and also my own experience of how anxiety shows up in my life. But you don't have to label yourself or take on, you know, the mantle of anxiety to really relate to what I'm saying about our relationship to time and time constantly slipping away and the pressure to not waste time, and all these things that we're going to talk about in terms of time. Now, for me, it is part of my anxiety. It's actually a low hum that is constantly in my life. It's one of the things that my general anxiety disorder has seized upon, latched upon as a constant mind loop in my head, which has mostly been in adulthood, really even deeper in parenthood. Once I became a parent, I really became very, very aware of time. But before that, when I was a younger person, I really looped on the pressure of having a big, bold life, making something meaningful out of my life, purpose. That was kind of the drumbeat of my 20s. And while that can be framed in a real positive manner, it can also be framed in a really negative, toxic manner. Before that, when I was a teenager and a young person, I had constant brain loops on someone in my family or someone that I loved dying. I had so much fear around someone dying suddenly and horribly all the time. It just made me very, very jumpy and fearful, frightened, and anxious in the truest sense of the word. So that's my story. I talk about a lot of those things, but again, You can relate to the ideas I'm sharing here and even the coping mechanisms that I'm sharing here without it being a super deep mental health issue. Because wherever you are in your mental health, you might relate to being very stressed about time in a big picture way, like that life is moving too fast, or in just a daily way, like frazzle and beating yourself up. And then now here we are in the holiday season. So are we making the most of it? All of these thoughts, we're going to get to all of these things. Here's what I wrote on Instagram, just for reference, because I think this sums it all up. I wrote, as an adult, my lifelong anxiety is very often centered around time. I don't have enough time. I'm running out of time. I'm wasting time. I'm spending my time doing the wrong thing. I won't have time to do the thing I should be doing because right now I'm doing something else. I spend too much time on my phone. Things are taking too long. Everything is moving too fast. The kids are growing up and I'm not paying enough attention. If I could just learn to manage my time, everything would be better. If I could just learn to be more present, I wouldn't be so stressed about time. Always thinking about time keeps me in constant low-level anxiety and inevitably fills me with regrets that can easily sink into something darker. One of the reasons I use timers all day long is because it releases me from the unending brain loop. 
I have personal permission to do the thing I'm doing until the timer goes off. The timers are a comfort to me, but I suppose for some people, they are a different type of prison. My anxiety has not always manifested itself around time. That is new in the last decade or so. Before that, I lived in constant fear that everyone I loved was going to die horribly very soon. Stressing about time is probably a product of culture telling us to soak up every minute of it or the cult of productivity and perfectionism. But for sure, for me, the anxiety came first and it found a tunnel into my psyche around time. I don't have any conclusion if you're looking for one, but I feel strongly about sharing what mental health looks like and feels like and sounds like. And for me, the inevitable passage of time and how I'm using it is the drumbeat to my days. Okay, so let's unpack all of that because there are parts in here that I really want to say more about and that I want to speak about how it feels for me. I want to see if you relate to it. I want you to understand that you are not alone if you do. I think that there are three main thoughts, three main angles of this time anxiety that I see come up in myself the most and that I see out in the world the most, that I see other people sharing or I see culture telling us in indirect ways. The first one is, I don't have enough time. Now, this is the most like basic thought that anyone has about all the things. You know, you just don't have enough hours in the day. That's the saying, right? People are saying in my timeline all the time, like, I don't have the time to read that you do. People are making excuses about, I don't have time to exercise. People are feeling burnout in their jobs or obligations that makes them feel like they don't have time to do what's considered frivolous things or fun things or hobbies or travel or whatever. A lot of that is couched around this idea of I don't have enough time. And sure, there are so many amazing things in the world that we could do. There's so much on offer at all times that in the most basic way, we don't have enough time to do everything we want to do. There aren't enough days in the week, hours in the day. It's a really universal idea. But when it tips into frazzle and overwhelm and burnout and just this constant buzz of, I don't have enough time. I don't have time to do some of the basics in my life. This is when I find myself being really snappy with my family when I find myself being really weepy because I feel like I'm behind in everything, feeling behind, which is often logistically true. You're maybe like behind in your work, behind on your deadlines. Feeling behind, being behind is another commentary on time, right? Like that's a way of saying we need to catch up. We need to get to where we're supposed to be on some sort of invisible timeline where we are all caught up with our obligations, when we have answered all of our texts and emails, when we feel good about how we look and how clean our house is and have wonderful things scheduled for the future. Like when in our lives, maybe occasionally, but how often in our lives are we standing in that exact right moment? It's really rare. And so one of the things that I have tried to talk myself through when I get in this loop of I don't have enough time, 
which again is basic and can in some ways feel factually very true, I try to counter it with a mantra that I've shared before online. It's a really important mantra. It's the exact opposite idea, and that is to tell myself, I have enough time. I have enough time to finish this task, to get what needs to be done done, and connect with who needs to be connected with. I have enough time for myself. There is enough time available. Now, on the logistics side of this, that might not be like factually true. And if you truly find yourself over and over and over again, feeling like you don't have enough time for the most important things in your life, then you know we all have to make adjustments when we get to that. But if what's actually happening is I'm experiencing overwhelm or frazzle, then really thinking to yourself, really letting yourself spin out on the idea of I don't have enough time, it does not help you actually get the things done that you need done or feel peace in your body or in your spirit. Constantly telling yourself or like living to this rhythm, this repeat of I don't have enough time will make you feel crazy. And you might not be like super conscious that that is what's running through your mind all the time. But if you are feeling a lot of overwhelm, burnout, frazzle, snappiness, moodiness, then see if if one of the roots of it is thinking that you don't have enough time and how you can A, create that time if you need to make some logistical changes, but B, really change the tune of what's running through your mind and making you feel really crazy. And I have to just repeat to myself, I have enough time. And sitting with that mantra, saying it to myself, taking a deep breath, doing a five-minute bit of silence or meditation opens up enough space for me to feel like, okay, I can move forward with this task list, this to-do list in a place of calm and peace instead of just like moving around truly frantically and doing everything like halfway or juggling too many plates, feeling like I'm dropping everything, disappointing people, going to bed, upset or feeling like I dropped a bunch of balls. Like this is the core idea that we don't have enough time. And countering it with, I do have enough time, calms you down enough to move forward, to do the next right thing, as Emily P. Freeman would say, to not feel like that you're doing the wrong task, that you're in the wrong place, that you mismanaged your time that you don't have time to be doing what you're supposed to be doing because you're doing this other thing. It's just an endless loop. And so if you can step back for a minute and say, I have enough time. I'm going to have enough time to finish the thing. I'm going to be exactly where I am right now because this is where I am right now. It is the time I am standing in. And it takes us out of our endless spin cycle of I don't have enough time, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough time, and opens up space in our attitude, in the way we're approaching a task or a block of time. It opens it up to be like, I have enough time. 
And if you're struggling with that mantra that I have enough time because of some logistic thing, as in you're actually going to miss a deadline, you're actually going to miss something because you didn't have time to complete it or go or do it all. And you're thinking like, well, this mantra of I have enough time isn't helping me because turns out I did not have enough time. I blew it. I don't have time to do this thing. Then simply recognizing that our relationship to time, the way we talk about it and think about it and manage it, not from a productivity standpoint, but just from a mental standpoint, an attitude standpoint, it needs some tweaking. And that it might not be our relationship to time or that time is betraying us in some way. It might mean that we need to adjust some priorities. We need to remove some things off of our plate. But it is not a moral failing that you ran out of time or you misjudged time in some way. And opening yourself up to the idea of, I have enough time, just changing your relationship to it, to that idea, I think will help you moving forward if you feel like there's something that you've already blown in the past. But saying to yourself and believing it, I have enough time, etching that into your soul. It really helps with this clawing desperation that a lot of us feel on the daily, sure, but also like in a very existential way of like, I don't have enough time, meaning I might die at any moment. And I hate saying those words out loud. I hate saying those words to any of us, but that can be an even deeper root of daily frazzle, right? It really can. I have definitely transferred some of my true anxiety that someone I love is going to be taken from me suddenly. I've also applied that to myself of I'm going to be gone suddenly and I won't have had time to do all the things that I wanted to do and I won't have had time enough with the people that I love. And while of course there is an argument to be made that we aren't going to have enough time, like no matter what our life looks like, at the end of it, it will feel like we didn't have enough time. So while we're in it, we have to be able to make some sort of peace with what our hours, days, and years look like. And for me, beating myself up constantly, always feel like I'm failing in some way because of my lack of productivity or because of my choices or something like that. It's just, it's not how I want to live this life. And I have to tell myself in this moment, in this hour, I have enough time. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. 
Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, Dot com and use code U, Y-O-U. Okay, the second idea, the second main idea about our relationship to time, the first one was I don't have enough time. The second one is time is passing me by. So they seem similar. There's some marked differences of feeling like everything is moving too fast. So where I don't have enough time feels like it's related a little bit to productivity or making space or falling behind. The second one, time is passing me by, seems a lot more relational. So this to me is tied to that idea of like, life is short, don't blink or you'll miss it. The children are growing up too fast. It'll all go by in a blink of an eye. This is when I can really get emotional about feeling like I'm not savoring every single moment of my children's childhood or that I didn't appreciate every single moment of a vacation or that I'm already in my 40s and haven't done X, Y, and Z and I always thought I would or should. The idea that time is passing me by is less about a to-do list and more about not appreciating or savoring or being such a good and peaceful person that I am tranquilly and serenely enjoying my life. (laughs) Now, maybe this only applies to certain personality types. Maybe all of this only applies to certain personality types, by the way. But this one in particular is a message that we get from outside. So while I don't have enough time is a very inward kind of thought, like our is our own frazzle, our own thought spin, time is passing us by. You will encounter this in all the ways everywhere. So this is like on Twitter, in inspirational memes and quotes, In parenting books, like, you know, it feels like we are constantly being bombarded with this message of like, your life is passing and you are missing it. Now, maybe that is true for some people. Maybe a lot of people are walking around as disconnected zombies. I mean, I'm sure there are. We know those people, right? I think that if you are listening to this show, a show specifically about connection and conversation and being mindfulness in our life, this is probably not your biggest problem, being ungrateful or feeling like you're never present. And yet, we cannot escape this messaging. And we have to work hard at really resisting the impulse to feel a lot of regret and a lot of guilt that we didn't savor every minute of having a baby and look deeply into our lover's eyes at every chance. And like all of those things that we're told we have to do all the time. Of course, all of us want to have beautiful moments of connection with one another and with our family. And of course, some years and months and seasons go by very quickly and we feel like it happens so fast. But hear me when I say this to you. 
time is not passing you by. You have enough time to be present, to feel connected, to enjoy things, to learn new things, to cultivate beauty in your life. Your ship is not sailing. And I really want people to know that because I have to talk my own self through this. It is really hard to anchor yourself in time and not buy into this constant narrative that it's all going too quickly and we're missing it. Time itself doesn't change. A minute is a minute. A day is a day. The way that we feel about certain minutes and certain days shifts, certainly, but time is not out to trick us. And believing that we're on a bullet train of time that we cannot stop, that we cannot get off of, that we cannot find equilibrium in, believing that about time will, of course, make you feel low-key anxious. Who wouldn't feel anxious if they were on a moving train at all times? Your children are going to grow up. We are all going to age. Time is going to move forward at the same pace it always has. And thinking that it is passing us by taps into all of our control issues. We have so many control issues around time. And this might be the biggest one. When we believe that time is passing us by, it feels like we are not the captain of our own ship. We are not the pilot. Someone has pressed fast forward and we can do nothing but observe when we know that that is not true. And so we have to think about if that is one of the things that maybe we're slowly recognizing is constantly in our life that time is passing us by. How can we reorient ourselves to time to realize the time that has past, every minute, every year in the past, moves at the same speed as our present and what will happen in the future? And is there a way that we can reframe this idea that we didn't notice the good old days until they were gone? Is it possible that we could feel that feeling instead of having regret for not knowing we were living in the good old days? having appreciation that we had some good old days. It seems simplistic. Maybe it even seems like this is something that we would think about later in our life. But I know that some of you get what I'm saying about parenthood guilt or career or relationship regrets. And sometimes, not to spin this off into too much of a tangent because I really want to focus on time here, but sometimes these time regrets they show up in forms of jealousy. I've seen this in myself, that you look at someone younger, you look at somebody with babies, you look at someone who is at the beginning of their career, and you compare it to your own season of life that has passed, and you feel regrets that you didn't appreciate it when it was happening, that you didn't grasp how special and beautiful that time was at the time When we also know that we whitewash a bunch of our own history, that we remember it more beautiful than maybe it was sometimes, and we can't, as an older person, grasp that the younger people don't get it 
in the same way that we didn't get it. It seems to be a pretty universal experience. You can't appreciate how young and beautiful you are because you don't know any different. You are always, in every moment, the youngest that you're ever going to be. And you can't even fathom, really, how this will look in the future or feel in the future. And so if this comes up for you as jealousy instead of anxiety, then hear me that you are not alone. It's hard not to wish that we couldn't go back sometimes and make a different decision and be less busy, be more present. But I think we're beating ourselves up for something that is just useless to ruminate on for too long. So the number two idea we're talking about, time is passing me by. Notice if this is something that comes up for you a lot in any way, in regret, guilt, jealousy, or like you're feeling really out of control. Okay, the number three main idea around time anxiety is just so universal, I think, like almost maybe no matter what age you are. The number three idea that I see a lot, that I feel a lot is I'm wasting time. Now, all three of these main ideas are tied. The first one is I don't have enough time. The second one is time is passing me by. And this third one is I'm wasting time. You can see how they're all kind of related, but they have their own separate set of issues. I'm wasting time is the one I think really robs us of our joy. It robs us of our joy because we might be doing something leisurely, restful, and fun. And that monster comes crashing into our party, telling us we're wasting time, and then makes us feel bad about whatever we're enjoying, or it makes us stop doing what we're enjoying. So I'm talking about things here that are like often very poo-pooed, like scrolling on your phone too much, Netflix binging, having a totally lazy weekend where you're in jammies and you don't shower and your house is a mess, which can be, by the way, very life-giving. It's a way of resting, but we just often cannot let ourselves do that. We decide we're wasting time or we have a partner that tells us we're wasting time. And yeah, sure, I can be way way guilty of scrolling my phone too much. I wish I would put my phone down a little more, but sometimes this is giving my brain a break. Sometimes a Netflix binge is what you need to like heal from a hard week, escape into some good art, some entertainment. That's not wasting time always. And much like culture's messages that time is passing us by, the wasting time idea comes up like starting when we are so young. We start getting these ideas like you can sleep when you're dead. Beyonce has the same amount of hours in the day as you do. Like all of these harmful messages that are supposed to be inspirational, I think, but they really seep into our psyche. And the wasting time one is really, really prevalent. You can know the difference, I think, between wasting time and just not being productive. (laughs) There is a difference. I think, you know, when you are like on 
hour four or whatever, whatever your own personal like boundary or timeline is, then maybe you can start to think like, yeah, I don't actually feel good about myself right now. But if you can tune in and be like, no, you know what I want to do right now is nothing. I want to sit outside in the backyard and stare into space. And it's not a waste of time. I want to drive a little farther to go get the special coffee that I like. And that extra 20 minutes it's going to take me is not wasted time. It's an enjoyment for me to get the thing that I want to get. There's a lot of nuance here and you have to really tune in and be honest with yourself whether something is a waste of time or whether we've just been told it's a waste of time and we haven't really questioned if there's something about it that's serving us, that's giving us rest, that's giving us pleasure. And so if that idea comes up in your mind this week, oh, this is a waste of time. Oh, I'm such a bad person because I'm wasting time doing this. Stop and ask yourself if that's really true and where you got that idea that something was a waste of time and what the idea of wasting time really means. Is there something else that you're truly neglecting or can you just not settle into the idea of not being productive every single hour that there's not something on the schedule. We can let ourselves rest. We can let ourselves be lazy. We can let ourselves just do something random or fun or nothing at all. And if it's not actively harming or neglecting something or someone else, is it really a waste of time? I mean, only you can know and the answers here are vast. But just think about it. I want you to think about it when someone implies that you're wasting time or your own self-talk tries to beat you up for wasting time. Okay, so I talked a little bit already about how culture gives us these ideas, a lot of them. And so I want us to just be really aware when we see something like this coming through our feeds or in commercials or in the entertainment we're taking in or in the critical voice of someone in our life that feeds a lot of these ideas to us. Just really being aware of it, I think, helps you identify your own thoughts or relationships to time in order to understand that you're having time anxiety and that that pressure is not going to be the boss of you. And this may be very simple, like I said, if you see some sort of a quote unquote inspirational meme about time, that it will set off alarm bells for you now. But this also might be something that you got to take to your journal. And by that, I mean, you might have gotten some of these ideas from a family culture, a certain family member, your school or work or church, whatever kind of community influence might have affected the way that you think about time. Now, I do think a lot of us are getting a lot of cultural messages here, as I've already said. It comes up all the time in our entertainment, our movies, our music, like all the things. But if you are taking this to your journal or to a really good conversation with a trusted friend about who influenced your idea of time and who made the way we spend time a moral thing, or possibly you're living in reaction to someone who spent time in a way that you don't want to. So maybe you had a parent who really mismanaged their time in some way that has made you very, very type A about being productive as an adult. 
Or the opposite, maybe you had an authority figure who was very strict on time and did not let themselves waste any moment. And therefore, you are living in some kind of reaction where you feel lazy in comparison as an adult. It's really something to think about. I've talked about this idea before in Who Taught You About Money? We get so many messages early in life about money and the different morality around money, even though money has no morality. It's just money. The same is very true with time, how we spend it, how we think about it, what we believe it says about us. We get these messages somewhere. And if it's not from an actual person in our life, it might be something that we picked up in a really formative idea when we were young. So there's always something new to check out. Go to shop.analuisa.com slash you to start shopping now. That's shop, S-H-O-P, dot Anna, A-N-A, Louisa, L-U-I-S-A, dot com slash you, Y-O-U, for 20% off your order. Okay, so lastly, I want to talk about concrete ways that you can combat this. I mean, I hope that I've given you some ways to think about it, reroute your thoughts throughout this whole episode, but there are a few concrete things that you can actually do to change your relationship to time. For me, and this will not work for everyone, but for me, I use timers and alarms on my phone all day long. Now, this is checking a lot of boxes for me. It's not just about time. It's about my mental health in general. It's about the way my own brain works. There's a lot of things that work for me about using timers and alarms. But in direct relation to this topic about time is that for me, one of the big things that goes through my head a lot that I already mentioned is that I am always doing the wrong thing. Like I'm working on one task, but I really should be working on something else. Were I to switch and start doing that something else thing, I'd be mad that I didn't finish the first thing. Like I am really a lot of times struggling with my time choices, how I'm choosing to use my morning, my evening, my work hours. Like it is a real mind swirl for me. So once I kind of set what my schedule is or what I'm going to do for a chunk of time, I use the timers and the alarms, depending on what the activity is, to release my crazy brain from spinning out on doing the wrong thing. Because I have decided this is how I'm going to spend this hour. And I can kind of relax into doing the thing I'm going to do until the alarm goes off. And I don't have to worry, oh, have I spent too much time doing this thing I decided to do? Because I have full permission to myself to do that thing for an hour, whether that's pleasure or work. So I very famously set a reading timer where I read for 20 minutes multiple times throughout the day. Setting my timer and reading for 20 minutes keeps me from all those feelings of guilt of, oh, I should be doing something else. I should be doing something more productive. I know I'm going to read for 20 minutes. I have set aside the time to do it. The alarm is going to go off at a certain point and I will have gotten my reading time in, which I enjoyed, but also not overdone it or spent that time worrying about the fact that I was doing it at all. I also struggle with, this is a little bit of a different issue, but again, related to time, thinking I can just do one more task before I have to leave. I really struggle with being late, not being late. It's like a whole thing. I could honestly do a whole episode about lateness, but it is in relation to time, right? And if 
I'm left to my own devices, I will try to cram in one more thing before it's time to leave or time to get ready or whatever. I I cannot do that. I really will mess up my day doing this. And so I have to set alarms. My alarms say, okay, now it's time to start getting ready or now you need to leave in 10 minutes or whatever. I set the alarms throughout my day to keep myself on track because otherwise I will get distracted, think I can do more than I can. I will end up being late. I will end up disappointing someone. I will end up making a bad impression in a meeting, like all the things. I live by timers and alarms. And it is very helpful to me in a big picture way to get to the end of the day and feel like, okay, I did the things I said I was going to do today. When before I started using timers and alarms, I would have whole like weeks, sometimes months go by, and I I don't know what I did with my time. I filled it somehow. I mean, I was doing things, but I wasn't really meeting kind of like life goals or I wasn't moving towards dreams I wanted or whatever. And I could not totally articulate why. (laughs) It was a weird time, but maybe you understand what I mean. When I started like setting actual alarms and timers for me, it was like baby steps of managing big picture goals, like for the year, for my career, whatever like that. So that's one concrete way to combat time. Another one you've heard me talk about a million times is meditation. Actually learning to sit and meditate for one minute, then three minutes, then 20 minutes, then a half hour. As you build up that strength, it will inevitably change your relationship to time. You will start to be very aware of time. When you first start meditating, three minutes seems really long to just sit there and try to empty your brain or focus on your breath or anything like that. It seems like a really long time. And subtly, as you do this over and over, it's changing your relationship to time to realize like that three minutes is a long time. Like it's enough time to reorient your day. It's enough time to do something quickly you've been putting off. It is enough time. This reroutes us back to the first mantra of I have enough time. But I had to teach myself that. And meditation is one of those ways that I did that. There are all kinds of ways to meditate. There are like literally different ways to meditate. If you're a newbie, I suggest starting with an app. I have used the Headspace app for a long time. There's other ones that are very popular. It teaches you the real basics and it, you know, lets you track things if you're really into that kind of thing. Meditation is another way that can really change your relationship to time. And why do we want to change our relationship to time? It's not just the anxiety that I talked about a lot. Although as a quality of life goes, like not living in constant frazzle, burnout, and overwhelm is is enough. I mean, that's a huge, huge game changer if you're able to wrangle those emotions and that kind of crazy brain. It'll change your life if you can change your thoughts around time. But even deeper than that is if you've been living with this for a long time, with time anxiety for a while, you probably know that this can go to a very dark place. I've kept it generally lighter for this episode because I wanted you to be able to sort of hear what I was saying without going it very dark. This can go very dark. Living with a lot of regret and overwhelm and fear that you have missed out or will miss out or that your ship has sailed, all of these things that I talked about in a sort of light manner, they can go very deep and dark 
This can lead to depression. This can lead to a lot of darkness that I don't want any of us to experience. I want us to stay aware as much as we can of what these triggers are for those types of episodes. And for me, a big trigger to mental health darkness is my relationship to time and just spinning out about time. And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for the people around you. So if this idea resonates, if this whole thing resonates, please do share it with someone else who might take something from it. Please do let me know on social media or by DM or email. I did not know how passionately I felt about time anxiety until I sort of mentioned it in passing, sharing my stuff on the internet as I do. I was actually talking about something else kind of. I think I was just mentioning my love of timers when I first brought up time anxiety and people asked a little bit more about it. And so this is, as always, an example of when you're sharing yourself, you might tap into a nugget of something that you really care about and that you want to share with the world. And so I hope that you have taken something from this episode that will change your relationship to time or your own frazzle, overwhelm, burnout, and just the way that you're choosing to move through your day. As always, you can find me personally on Instagram at laura.tremaine. You can find the show and show notes where I'll list a few things in the show notes that might be helpful to you. Some resources, some of the other episodes where I've talked more specifically about anxiety, I'll put all of that in the show notes, which you can always find at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. For now, I hope that you spend the rest of this week noticing your relationship to time and telling yourself you have enough time. Thanks for listening, friends. Now go share something. And you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.